Welcome to the Almost Enlightened Podcast. I'm Alex Moore, your host, and I'm thrilled to be talking to you today about energy. Let's start with the sentence, energy is thought. I've heard it said before, but I've never really taken the time to contemplate its meaning, let alone check and see if it's even true. But as it turns out, there's some scientific weight behind the phrase. Scientifically speaking, thought can be broken down into the transmission of energy signals. The energy that's being transmitted actually has mass, and mass is the sum of all energy in a body. Furthermore, you could make the argument that the molecules and ions that transmit the signals, those have kinetic potential and rest energy. So in short, when we think we are using energy and we're transmitting it. Now, at some point in your life, you've probably heard someone say that energy can't be created or destroyed. This is known as the law of conservation of energy. It's a universally accepted notion. And we're probably all aware of how we put energy into our bodies, right? If not, the short answer is that we do that with food. So here's where it gets interesting. If energy can't be destroyed, then what happens to our thought energy? We just established that thought is energy. What does it turn into? Do we have a say in what it turns into? That's what this conversation is all about today. What's a house? What's a tree? What's a car or a pair of jeans? Well, at the most basic level, all things are but a collection of atoms. They're spinning and they're dancing around. There's movement, there's vibration, and there's the coalescence of simple and complex systems that are working together. But regardless, everything is always moving. Have you ever noticed that some things attract your attention more than others? Maybe it's a bright color. Maybe it's a big tree that stands out on your drive home from work. Or maybe it's a person. But without question, all of us have stopped to admire something. Our family went to Niagara Falls this summer, and we were awed by the beauty, the power, the majesty, and the greatness of the falls. Why is that? Could it possibly have something to do with the energy of the falls? Do massive falls equal massive amounts of energy? Well, the answer is yeah, absolutely. But the principle applies equally to small things. You know, there's some people that will marvel at the smallest of diamonds or the most interesting molecules. And both are equally as beautiful in the eye of the beholder. So why is this? Are we drawn to certain types of energy? And maybe this explains why everyone in the world doesn't congregate at Niagara Falls all at the same time, or why everyone in the world isn't enamored by diamonds. Does energy speak to each of us in a different way? Let's start attempting to answer these questions. Energy isn't something that exists on its own. It's part of a system of particles, and all particles vibrate. That's a really important concept because it means that energy or the transmission of energy is done through vibrations. In fact, all things vibrate because of the way the atoms dance around. And perhaps in the same way that in the dating world, there's someone for everyone, the same principle applies to vibrations. There's a vibration for everyone. Maybe there's vibrations that are more pleasing to you. 
and maybe they're vibrations that are generally more pleasing than others, right? So sound is actually a form of energy, and I'd guess that 99 out of 100 people would rather hear the sound of a symphony than the sound of a dentist's drill, right? And that's a pretty complex example, I know, because of the thoughts we associate with the dentist's drill. But the bottom line is that we truly prefer the vibrations of the symphony to the vibrations of the dentist's drill. Let's pretend for a moment that I'm walking down a street, and on one side of the street is a farmer's field. All right, that field's empty, so we're not seeing any crops. But what we do see is a massive maple tree in the middle of the field. And just to make things more interesting, let's say it's fall, and the leaves are gorgeously red, orange, and yellow. It would be nearly impossible to miss this tree for anyone walking down the street. So the question is, why did we see it? Is it because it's big? Uh, yeah. Is it because relative to all things in our field of vision, it's extremely visible and apparent? Yeah, another, that's another yes. <laughs> and is it because the tree itself is energy? Now, that's not a quantum leap in logic. Its greatness or its bigness requires energy. Its magnificent colors on those leaves require energy. So you, my friends, are actually attracted to the energy. How did we overlook that? I suppose that as we grew up and learned about objects, we failed to acknowledge the very important fact that every object has a vibration field, and that field is as fundamental to the object as roots are to the trunk of a tree. Look, we all vibrate. We all resonate. But have you ever noticed that some people simply radiate? Right on occasion, some of these people are so magnetic that I've actually taken the time to tell someone, I love your energy. And I'll bet you can remember a time when someone said the same thing to you. Why? Were you particularly happy that day? Were things going right for you in your life at that moment? Was it a gorgeous color you were wearing? No doubt someone has told you they love something about you. Why? I think we all have some idea of our own personal strengths. And for me, in the corporate world, it was and is an ability to communicate. The favorite part of my job that I did for 20 years was bar none teaching. Although I made thousands of presentations or what we'll call sales pitches in my career, not once did it ever feel like I was selling something. Instead, I was passionate about sharing, about teaching. And once I got into a presentation, there was no stopping me. The enthusiasm, the creativity, the passion, the authenticity, it all gushed out. I couldn't stop it if I tried. My creation was vibrating. You see, my thoughts were being transmitted, many of them verbally, but perhaps even just as many otherwise. These thoughts were entering the minds of my audience. And I said many of them verbal because my gestures, the tonality, posture, alertness, all, all that kind of stuff, they're all extremely transferable forms of energy, and they're equally as potent as my words. In fact, if you really want to delve into the matter, the whole package was and is the coalescence of slightly different forms of energy making their way to the audience. Now, I could just as well have closed my eyes and given the talk because I was summoning images of what I saw in my head. 
And those images came out as words. And those words, the spoken vibration, entered the minds of my audience. And they formed images in my audience's heads. So really, if you look at what I was doing, I was transferring my energy from my own mind to other people's minds. Images are crazy powerful, and you've really got to understand that. Images are fundamental to how our minds work. Images give rise to emotions that are associated with the images I was sending. For example, if I say the word or the words birthday cake, most people will associate it with celebration, right? For which the attached emotion is happiness, right? And if I say birthday cake for a one year old, you now think of a little boy or a little girl, or they could be sitting in a high chair, have a party hat on, they've got that smile, they're aware but not really aware of what's happening. You get a mental image. But if I say the word murder, the accompanying image may be of a cadaver or blood or, or the fear of losing a loved one. And this is because images draw out emotion from the subconscious. And you can't help it. It's as fundamental as the laws of nature. <laughs> so let's change your mood back, all right? <laughs> I've just talked about the word murder. So let, let, me, let me do a fun exercise here. Vacation. Fun. Family. Sun. Laughing. Hugging. Palm trees. You see it, don't you? When I say those words, you see it. You really don't have a choice. And now we've got our great mood back. All right, so getting back to my corporate life example, my audience would often participate with me as I could truly feel the energy in the room get dialed up. I became the beautiful tree in the desolate field with an energy field that was obvious. And now again, I never sold anything, but you could pretty much trace my corporate travels and trace them to sales increases wherever I went. <laughs> that was also the law. But I've got news for you, friends. Anything we emit or think of has energy. Inanimate objects have energy. Concepts have energy. I'm going to argue that the potential energy in a great book is equally as potent as the fuel you put in your car. Books like the Bible, Newton's Principia, or Darwin's On the Origin of Species contain so much fuel that they have changed the world. So actually, high-octane gas has nothing on thought energy. Nothing. You ever wondered why so many tourists travel to New York, London, Tokyo, Paris, or, or even Rome? It's purely because of the energy. It was thought that created the Colosseum. It was thought that created the Eiffel Tower. And that energy attracted more and more citizens over the years, constantly adding to these cities. And so tourists come from around the world to marvel at these sights, the sounds, the tastes, and they add even more energy. Artists, visionaries, politicians, entertainers, they come to these cities to be part of the energy. They come to share it. They come to be inspired. They come to inspire. Their diversity is the root of 
all creativity. Because really, our thoughts would be so homogenous if we didn't have the benefit of being exposed to differing opinions, differing beliefs and cultures. So a city actually grows itself organically once the seeds of thought have been planted. So to use a farming analogy, the city itself becomes extremely fertile, and anything that's planted takes root. Anything. This includes all ideas. You see where I'm getting at here? In a city of millions, there's just as many opinions and ideas. For example, if you're unhappy with the political system and you choose to spend your time thinking angry thoughts about the system, you are guaranteed to attract like energy. You're adding fuel to your fire of disdain. And when enough fuel's been added to the thoughts, something has to ignite. And this is precisely why we see demonstrations and revolutions in the great cities of the world, including Tiananmen, Beijing, or the recent 2011 revolution in Cairo that brought down President Mubarak's regime, just to name a couple of them. My contention is that thought energy can be converted into nearly anything. Let's discuss. We interact with energy every moment of our lives, including when we sleep. The mind is the control valve through which we let in, let out, and process that energy. Let me repeat that again. The mind is the control valve through which we let in, let out, and process that energy. And you may say, wait a second, we burn energy when we do physical activity. But I'm going to respond by saying that in order to move your body, it required the mind. Similar to a hydro dam, we can open the valves and let the water pass through, and we'll call that water energy. Or we can shut those valves and prevent the water from passing through. But every once in a while, a natural phenomenon creates an excess of water, just as every once in a while, a tragic occurrence creates an excess of thought energy and accompanying emotion. So what do we do? We open the floodgates in the case of the dam and we let the water pass through. In human bodies, also known as crying, shouting, laughing, or pretty much however you process that energy. We have become so skilled at building dams these days that we can account for nearly any circumstance, right? We can let water pass through. We can open the valves at certain times. We can open them at certain seasons. We can produce energy on demand. In short, we've pretty much mastered the hydroelectric dam. So wouldn't it be awesome if you could do this with your own mind as well? The valve I'm talking about is our innate ability to accept thought or reject it, okay? The problem is that for the most part, we're pretty crappy at rejecting thoughts, be they our own thoughts or thoughts from the outside world. And interestingly, I asked my teenage daughter the other night, how many times do you go on TikTok? How much time do you spend on TikTok a day? And after she thought about it for a little bit, she said, "Uh, probably one to two hours a day on the platform. And then she thought a little bit more and she said, eh, you know, some nights before I go to bed, I'll spend, I don't know, an extra one, two, three hours watching videos on the platform. What? Right? So that means that my daughter might be spending anywhere from one to five hours a day on TikTok. Is that the kind of thought energy she wants or needs? I don't know the answer. Only she can answer that question. But she's certainly not alone. Because whether it's TikTok 
or CNN or Fox News or the car radio or uh, another podcast. That irony is not lost on me. Or whatever other means, we let the whole neighborhood into the kitchen of our mind. We really do. We let people walk through it with their muddy shoes on. We're bloody nuts. And what's even worse is that most of us don't have mechanisms installed that will allow us to use that thought energy. So we allow it to be colored by our emotional conditioning and we transform this thought energy into actions and results that are perpetuating our mediocre realities. Woo! (laughs) That was a lot. That was a big punch there. And I'm going to strongly suggest that you rewind a few seconds and digest those few sentences a few more times. I'm telling you, there's gold in them, there are hills. If you feel that you're not in possession of a check valve or that you're not too adept at using it, the best recommendation I can give you is to meditate. Honestly, meditation is practice for being able to accept and or reject thought. Think about that for a second. And once you've mastered that, you're truly halfway to creating the reality of your choice. But let's get back to that mechanism I was just talking about. We've established the fact that the valve is the ability to accept or reject thought, right? So if we elect to accept that thought energy, then it only makes sense that it'd be awesome if we were able to use that energy for creation purposes. How can we do that? It seems to me that appreciation is the key here. When we appreciate something good or bad, we accept the energy, but on our own terms. And in order to appreciate something, consideration has to be given to the subject matter, right? You you can't just appreciate something without giving it any thought. You can't. And if you do, it's kind of like telling someone what a watermelon tastes like when you've never, ever tried one. So appreciation is a filter for energy. Wait a second, Alex. How do I appreciate something when it's bad? All right, let me provide you a real-life case study. By far, the most challenging circumstance I have ever faced in my life happened this summer when my teenage son was stabbed. And without going into the details, this was an event that caused a tremendous amount of suffering for our entire family. But the unfortunate event caused me to be grateful that my son wasn't killed. It filled me with so much appreciation for the trauma surgeon and the staff that tended to my son that every conversation I have ever had with the surgeon brings tears of appreciation. I'm not kidding. I am a babbling idiot every time I talk to this guy. I, I, I appreciate it. I, it almost makes me laugh, but I, I can't stop crying. It, and they're, they're tears of appreciation. And The whole event has made me appreciate my son so much that I I, I really overflow with love any time I think of how much my son means to me. So in a way that defies the constraints of time I'm spending with you today, I'm even appreciative of the fellow that stabbed my son. Forgiveness. Compassion. Love. Those are topics I am definitely going to address on another day. But you see, When we give consideration to energy of any kind and then appreciate it, that energy actually becomes pliable and ready to use for creation. I quit my job two weeks after my son's incident. 
I began to appreciate the power of the energy that came my way. And I'm turning that energy into the creation of a podcast that I hope, that I know will help people. And that is my life's mission now. It is. It's my life's mission to help people. You see, the worst thing I could possibly have imagined, my son's stabbing, has turned out to be the most powerful energy I have ever worked with. And you know what? It's beautiful. Energy isn't good or bad. It just vibrates. And if we absorb those vibrations and massage them, I'm telling you right now, you can use them. It's actually pretty cool that energy vibrates and that different energies vibrate at differing frequencies. I do believe that the degree to which we're attracted to different energy vibrations is in direct relation to the receivers we've got installed in our subconscious. And we can call those receivers beliefs or paradigms. If the energy you receive is in accordance with your beliefs, then you'll absorb and you're going to use that energy. But it is important to note that you probably don't even understand your beliefs, which explains why you'll accept low vibration energy. But I will definitely get back to that later. It's important. Have you ever heard of the term echo chamber? Essentially, it's the information loop that replays for us based on our predilections and our preferences. For example, if my political persuasion is left, then I'm going to read news articles that have a left-facing bias. Every time I read another article, the algorithms behind the search engines and news feeds from whence I get my information, they ping and they put out a he likes this flashing lights checkmark in their files. The algorithm begins to feed me stories that I read that are based on my political leanings. And over time, I don't get to see any articles from the right side perspective. And in my opinion, it's one of the reasons for the ever-growing chasm between people with ideological differences. An inability to even hear or see multiple perspectives. If you wanted to control a whole country because you wanted to preserve your power over the masses, this is exactly the kind of subterfuge that you'd want to encourage. Hmm... So if we only really accept energy vibrations that are in accordance with our beliefs, you know, that echo chamber that's rooted in the subconscious and may or may not be understood by the belief holder, then how can I broaden my horizons and begin using all vibrations? Good question. Glad I asked. Fortunately, the answer is simple. All you have to do is look within your heart and examine what it is you really want. Okay, maybe it's not that easy, because for a lot of us, our hearts have been largely shut off for a long time. And speaking from experience, it would seem to me that men, at least in Western society, are more likely to close their hearts, possibly due to the pressures of a chauvinist and male-dominated society that considers emotions weak. But if we allow ourselves to look within and open our hearts, your true desires are actually there. They really are. You may have to do a little searching, but I'm telling you, and I guarantee you, that they're there. They just have a bunch of cobwebs on them. And when you finally locate your heart, it'll tell you what your real beliefs are, absent of the fake ones that came to you through genetics and through environmental conditioning. Once you've identified those real beliefs, 
you must turn them into emotionalized thoughts. And if you do this every day, multiple times a day, and use your shut-off valve on the beliefs that don't serve you anymore, you'll begin to experience what many call a paradigm shift or a shift in belief. You'll begin to become more attuned to energy vibrations that were always there and begin to appreciate them and then ultimately to be able to use them. And that is the simple recipe of how to use energy to create what you truly desire, not what the echo chamber says you desire. If you had unlimited riches, my guess is that among other things, you'd probably build the house of your dreams. Okay, my dream house has views for days. It's cozy. It's got beautiful open spaces, an inviting kitchen where people congregate and enjoy conversation and great food. I've got a pool. I've got a deck. I've got a walkout basement, flowers everywhere, palm trees in the background. You getting the image? The fascinating thing about energy is that it's practically limitless. So why don't the majority of us use that unlimited energy to build our dream house of the mind? Who are you in your dream scenario? Who are you? Earlier in the podcast, I shared with you how you can access the heart. And when you know what your true desires are that come from the heart, you can begin using the limitless energy that exists all around us and within us to fill your subconscious with the criteria that makes up your dream person. In other words, who you truly want to be. It's just like building a dream home. You can build your dream self. And you know what? It's free. Man, our society totally sets us up for failure. We have got it all backwards. We value what truly has no value, and we disregard what truly has the most value. Cars, houses, fame, material possessions. These are all the types of things that our society in general value. And yet they don't hold a candle to the magnificence of your mind. I think there's a saying in the Bible that proclaims, God created you in his own image. Doesn't this mean that you're also a creator? I'm just saying. So let's bring this home. Let's do it. Let's give you some proof that you materialize what you want and you do it every day. When you want something to eat, you materialize it. That's right. When you're hungry, you get food. Sometimes it's right away as we walk over to the fridge or the pantry. And sometimes it takes a few minutes or hours to go to the store or a restaurant. But you think about food and then voila, there it is. And I'll tell you something, even babies do that. They cry. We think they're hungry, we feed them, and then they're satisfied until they need to materialize more food again. As we get more advanced, and boy, I know we could debate whether or not age and experience necessarily equate to advancement, we begin to be able to materialize more things such as clothes, cars, houses, jobs, relationships, fitness levels, etc., etc., etc. Doesn't it beg the question of why some people materialize nicer cars? Nicer houses, 
nicer levels of fitness, greater relationships. It's because whether they consciously know it or not, they possess the power to materialize different things than others. And not necessarily better things, but different things. And just as we've recently discussed, the ability to materialize, in other words, to use energy to create, comes from the equipment, which are the beliefs we've installed in the subconscious. I would be remiss if I didn't go back and quickly explain how today's beliefs got implanted in your subconscious. In a nutshell, you either inherited your beliefs through genetics or you developed them through your environment. So you're not to blame for your fear of heights. You may well have inherited that fear. And you're not to blame for the size of your waist. You may have developed your eating habits through your family environment. But once you become aware of your beliefs and you realize that they're not what you truly want, then you, my friend, become responsible for those beliefs. There is a massive difference between blame and responsibility here. Now, I've provided you the recipe for changing your beliefs. It's now your turn to decide if you want to materialize what you truly want. Thought is energy. Energy can't be destroyed. It can't be created. When we bring energy into our minds, you have the ability to use that energy to create. You are a creator. So seriously, why don't you create what you've always wanted? Why? What you've always truly wanted. There's energy in the podcast that you have just listened to. You received it. What are you going to do with it? Thanks for listening. I appreciate you.